Hello, and welcome to Life Lessons from a Total Failure, the podcast, a show that shares stories from passionate people living life on their own terms, and one that reminds us how life's failures and struggles are just the plot twists needed in our own personal stories to help us get to where we were meant to be. Sometimes it's easy to get lost in the game of Hollywood. Living and working here, you tend to set goals for yourself that are pretty high, and you may feel like achieving them is the only thing that will bring fulfillment to your life. But while these goals can be very important to us, or they seem like the most important thing, they really aren't the things that will bring us happiness and fulfillment. They are just goals for things we want. Real happiness and fulfillment comes from the inside and from recognizing what makes you, you. When you are doing the things that make your inner self content and shine, that's where you find true happiness. My guest this week, Kristen Lancioni, has done and achieved a lot in her life and has discovered some interesting things about happiness along the way. She has explored herself and the world, and has come to a surprising and not surprising conclusion for what she wants in her life. Kristen, I'm so glad that you could come today. Thank you for being here. How are you? I'm good. Good? Thanks for having me. So, all right, you have got a really fun background of all different kind of things, and you're the exact kind of people we like to be on this podcast because it doesn't look like your road was very traditional. You've been, you've been doing lots of different things along the way, right? Many. So, okay, well, before we start going into what you do and, and, and who you are, let's start with, like, your background. So why don't you tell us where you're from, what you were like as a kid, childhood dreams, all that, all that jazz so we know a little bit more about you. Okay, so I grew up in Northern California in Fremont, so it's about 45 minutes from San Francisco, and I was not an easy kid by all means. I... <laughs> was this like ADD energy bouncing off the walls. My mom had no idea what to do with me. So my stepdad came in and said, put this girl in gymnastics. So I was a gymnast for 11 years of my life. And I think I was pretty good. I won first place in my high school for our final competition when I was a senior. Um, But then I had two knee surgeries and fractured back. So it kind of like everything went downhill after the problems. But, you know, and then I was like into like booze and, you know, kind of fiddling around with drugs and seeing what was up in high school. And I say if I was never a gymnast, I would be like a full-blown alcoholic with the heroin addiction on the weekends. Right. And I'm just lucky that I had that one thing to kind of like focus all of my attention And that one thing you couldn't show up to altered because you'd get hurt. Yes, (laughs) So you had to be like, it's always good to have that one thing that keeps you, um, you know, one step into reality. Yes. So is it, was it like a passion of yours? Is it something that you thought you were going to do for your whole life or was it just a hobby? It was a passion until I realized that after my two knee surgeries, I probably wasn't going to go to the Olympics. Wow. Two knee surgeries. And how old were you when you uh, had that? 15 and then 16. That had to be pretty traumatizing. It wasn't. I was no? such like a kind of go with the flow kid where I was like, okay, th- what's next? Oh man, if I had two knee surgeries as a kid, I would have milked that up and like, oh, my life is so hard. I have two knee oh, surgeries. No. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, I'm a badass. I have stitches. Like, <laughs> I, the doctor was like, oh, come in and take your stitches out. I was like, no way. I'm doing it on my own. Like I was always that oh, kid wow. where I'm like, oh, you you think you can do this? Well, watch me do it. Right. I'm gonna I'm going to show you. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So career was not going to be in gymnastry. You were uh, bound for other things. So what happened post high school? Where did you go? What did you do? How did things form? After high school, well, this is like kind of the shitty part of my life that I always look back and I'm like, why? So my mom never made me apply to college. And I had decent grades. Like I could have gone to a state school. 
And for whatever reason, my best friend was going to a community college. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So I wound up in San Luis Obispo, the most boring town ever. I was 18 years old. And it's like, all you do there is party. Right. So I went there for one year community college, partied my ass off. I actually dropped out of school. My mom doesn't even know this. Oh, wow. I forged my report card for my second semester to uh, like show all A's and B's. Nice. Um, and then while I was there, I met a guy who lived in LA. And I was like, I'm moving to LA. So then I switched up everything. I was like in kinesiology, back right. to gymnastics at uh, San Luis Obispo. And then I went into fashion. So I went to FITM in LA at 19. So I moved here when I was 19, went to FITM, wow. which also is a bullshit school. Yeah. And I just did that to be able to live in LA. Right. And then after that, all my dreams came true. Well, that's what we like to hear. Um, so, okay. So backing up a couple things. Um, it's hilarious that you, <laughs> hey mom, spoiler alert. <laughs> I didn't, I dropped out of school. Um, find it funny that you said slow is the most boring place ever because to most people, uh, San Luis Obispo is like paradise. You know, it's like, it, I think it was voted like the happiest place in the country for yeah. like years in a row. Not when you're 18. Right. When you're 18, it doesn't seem like the place to go. Yes. But then it's really funny that you wanted to move to LA because most North California people are so anti-LA. That's not the norm that you hear. It's, you know, you guys are usually so like, San Francisco is the best place ever in yeah. California. I wanted to get out. I wanted nothing to do with my hometown, nothing to do with my high school friends. I just want, like, anything that was there, I wanted the opposite. Right. All right, so you get down to LA, you're 19, which I, I, I can't fathom being 19 <laughs> years old in LA. Like, I really can't. Sometimes I think, you know, I don't believe in regret. I, I believe everything happens the way, it, you know, it's supposed to. But sometimes I think, oh, you know, after high school, if I came out here with, with who I was then, I could have really done big, big things. But I also know I would have ended up like Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> like totally. I would have been, I would have been in a ditch somewhere. I'd probably be dead. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a crazy city when you're young. How did you fare at 19 years old in L.A.? Well, the biggest joke that I have, it's funny that you bring up Lindsay Lohan. When all of her stuff was going down, I would look at my group of friends and be like, the only reason she's in trouble is because she's famous and she's getting caught for this. Right. We're all doing the same exact stuff, but wow. we're just sliding by because, you know, we're not being paparazzi all the time. Right. So if you look at what a train wreck she was back then, that's exactly what me and my friends were. <laughs> you were like, that was the blueprint of our life. <laughs> it was. We had a limo pick us up every night for dinner, clubs, after parties. Like, we barely even went to school. I don't know how I got through college yeah. doing our lifestyle. But we were 19 years old pretending that we were, like, 25 or 30. And, like, 25, 30 ballers in L.A. Because yeah. that's what you do. Like, like, I see young people here and think, how do you pay for this stuff? Like, where we, do you get your money? You're a cute girl. You don't. Oh, Guys pay nice. for everything. <laughs> that, that's pretty fun. I mean, yeah. you got to love that part, right? Well, then it's a total reality check when you're 32 years old and you're like, wait a minute. Why aren't guys still paying for things? Okay, first of all, you still look like you're 20 <laughs> and you're gorgeous. So I'm sure you don't have problems <laughs> with that. But, you know, in the in the in in this new world, you don't need to rely on men to give you anything. Because, you know, that's not the way of the world anymore. It never should have been anyway. Um, but it was certainly fun at the time, it I was. bet. Okay, so you go to fashion school, you finish, mm -hmm. you are living a Lohan-esque life. Um, <laughs> then what? Um, then, I guess after fashion school, so I was running a fitness studio. So the whole gymnastics things come always coming back around. And um, I started to nanny for a mom who would come into the fitness studio. So I was waking up every morning at 5 o'clock, opening the gym at 5.30, Working there till around 2, picking up the kids from school at 2.30, and then with them till sometimes 6, 7, 8, 9, depending on when the parents were home. 
So I'm like a 20, 21-year-old girl working over 12 hours a day. Yeah, you're working hard. Yeah, but I loved everything. I loved the gym. I loved the kids. It was kind of like I had this weird housewife life where I work a little bit in the morning, then I have the kids after school. Right. But then I go home to my little, you know, studio apartment, my little Prius, and I'm like, wait, I'm living like a dual life. Right. It's like it's like a one foot in one world, one yes. foot in the other. So yeah. during that time you couldn't have been out all night partying oh, because no. that sounds like intense. Yes. The everything really slowed down after I graduated college and I was like, wow, I guess I have to be an adult. Right. So yeah, I was a loser. Like I wouldn't go out at night. I had no friends. Everything I was doing was dedicated to we're opening up the gym in the morning and then making sure these two little kids were taken care of. Yeah, but thank God, because who knows what would have happened if you kept going down the track from before. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you're working at a studio, which is, you know, a common thing in, in L.A. You know, a lot of people that are into fitness, they work in studios, and clearly that's not was not my career path. <laughs> um, and then you start nannying. Yeah. And the nannying clearly changed your life in many ways. Yeah. So tell us more about that. So... While I was working at the gym, I met this woman, Maeve, who was an actress, and she really became a best friend. She's 20 years older than me. We're actually still best friends. And she was like, this life you have is so crazy, like, as a nanny. Like, you literally are with this very wealthy family. The girls adore you. But, like, you still go home every day to your little studio apartment. It's like, kind of like, where, like, she's like, there's something in this. And we're like, wait, let's maybe, like, let's see if we could do a reality show about this. Because, you know, reality five years ago is, it was huge. And I guess it still kind of is. I'm yeah. totally out of the game now. Um, but so we just started working on the show and we developed this whole kind of plot line of five young hot nannies. We called it Hollywood nannies or whatever. Um, from May, we ended up selling it to a production company that got us to ABC Family. And so we had a show on the air for 10 episodes. It was just one season. Now, if you haven't guessed, for those who listen, um, I know Kristen because of Sean Sturz, who Sean we had on before, who was also a Hollywood nanny. Uh, so you have this show, and here you are. You're how old? In your 20s? I, yeah, I think it was 25, 26, maybe. Okay, 25, 26. You create yeah. and produce. yeah. Your own show, you must have felt like a badass. See, the weird thing is, is everyone says that, and I never did. I like, I felt like I had, like, I had it all together. I was like, yes, like it's all lining up. I got A, B, and C, and I finally did it. And I thought it was so easy. I'm like, oh well, I did it on my first try, so it's right. so easy. Uh, it's not. I tried to sell like <laughs> ten other shows after this, full cast, exactly the way I did it, and it's just not that easy. I yeah. got so lucky that. I had Maeve, my producing partner, who made it with me, and her connections, and just like everything that came with it. Like we met Sean randomly, like all these people just kind of came together so perfectly. So, all right, so you do this show, this Hollywood Nannies, and if you just Google it, you could see that, you know, it may have only been on for one season, but people seem to really like it. There was lots of, you know, you can find lots of articles and pictures and stuff like that. So it, it was a thing. During that time, did you think, okay, this is going to be my life? I'm going to be reality star? Or did you kind of know this was just like a, or is this kind of like a fun project? So the funny thing about this is I never wanted to be on the show. Really? I had such, I just had something against being on reality TV. Like I never wanted to be an actress. I never wanted to be in front of the camera. And it just happened that. Which I'm going to cut you off, yeah. by the way, people. If you saw her, if you Google her, look at her picture, you could see it on the icon that I'm putting up for this week's show. 
she's stunning. You're gorgeous. You are movie star gorgeous. Thank you. So it's really funny. And I'm sure people were trying to push you in front of the camera all the time. They were. Yeah. Especially growing. I mean, being in LA from 19 and up, it's always like, oh, go, go out for this audition. And it was just never there for me. I just yeah. never, like, I always wanted like to use my brain, not to say that these people aren't using their brains, but there's just so much more involved in my life than just like showing up and being in front of the camera. Right. All right. So you didn't really want to be on the camera, but they made you. Yeah, well, we, we made the decision, Maeve and I, when we met with ABC Family, and they were kind of like, oh, no, like, this is your show. And we're like, okay, if that's what we have to do to get the show on air, let's do it. But even after the first season, we were we didn't know if we were going to go to second season or not. And I didn't really want to – if we were going to do a second season, I didn't really want to be on it. Yeah. Like, the whole reality thing, it's draining. Like, you have these people – in these contrived situations telling you what, oh, let's do this to get to second season. And you just really kind of lose yourself. Right. And then you realize everyone watching this, they think that this is real. Yeah. And then so it's just kind of like, where do I fall into this? Because I'm acting this way and it's reality, air quotes, but it's not, this is not how I would normally act in my right. real life. They're very staged and yes. situa situational reality. And we've had, um, I had a guest on who was on The Bachelorette. Mm-hmm. And... I don't want to say it, it didn't ruin his life because he he's a great guy and he has great things going for him, but it could have because yeah. they they edited it so he looked like this loser crazy person and it was really hard for him because he's still trying to explain to people it's not real yeah. this is not what really happened. I had someone else who was on a show called From Friends to Lovers where it was like can your friends you know can you cross over and become lovers or whatever and they made him this like shy introverted person which is the opposite of who he is. The reality thing is such a, a hard thing to swallow because it's called reality TV but it's not. It's yeah. it's very staged, very scripted. And if you had gone on for a couple seasons, you don't know who they would have made you. Totally. And that's scary. It is because then after a few seasons, that really does become you and your character. And then like I have a girlfriend who does a different show and she's been on for five or six seasons. And I've seen her change throughout those years. And I'm like, you're turning into the character that you are that they, on TV. Right. And, and you're it, not that person. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But I mean, I guess after years of people telling you and like shooing you into a certain position you just are going to become that way because yeah. it's just easier yeah and you have to match that persona outside because it's part of the job the perception right you if you want to keep up. those seasons going you have to be that person inside your house and outside your house because that's what people want to see yeah it's it's a real for lack of a better term mind fuck I don't think people understand, and, and people always say, well, they know what they're getting into when they sign up for. No. No, people don't understand. And when I watched the show Unreal, uh, I don't know if you ever saw that. <gasps> Love it. Yes, Unreal, it was something about that show. If you haven't seen Unreal, you really should watch it because you're going to think it's so extreme and it's so over the top. Guess what? It's not. Those producers, those PAs that are ripping off their headphones, their headsets to go over and sit and talk to someone in the show to try to nudge them into something. Yep. That's exactly what they do. Absolutely. That's what they're there for. And it's crazy. Yeah. All right. So you're on this reality show. You don't really want to be the the center of it, but you kind of were. Yeah. Right? It was your – you drove the show. Yeah. And after you, you do one season, the, it wraps up. What did you think? Where were you at? What were you feeling then? Well, like, so once I found out we weren't going to a season two. Yeah. So I, this is a day I will never forget. And my life literally came crashing down. 
And only because I had given up my real nanny job and my real other job at a gym, that I, a different gym that I was working at to put everything into this show. Right. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this didn't even last a year. What do I have? Like, where do I start now? Like, I never got my bachelor's degree, so I can't just walk in, in you know, anywhere and be like, hi, here's my resume. And I, after that, I was like, gosh, I really don't want to work in reality anymore after just seeing like kind of how scummy yeah. it can all be. And I was just at this weird place in life, like I have no idea what to do. And it was a whole year of me kind of just like searching, like taking some casting gigs here and there just to pay the bills to really figure out what to do. And, oh, and, and spoiler I, I still alert don't people. know what to do. Yeah, I'm, spoiler <laughs> alert people, you don't make enough to retire on from. Oh my gosh, right, no. Just because you're on TV, especially in a reality show, you probably didn't make, you probably made enough to be comfortable for that year. For one year. For one year. That's yeah. it. But as if you were working a salary job somewhere else. That's exactly so, what it was. you know, people have this perception that you go on reality TV, you know, well, they're doing it because they're making the money. No, that's not how it works. No. Uh, so what did you do? So for that year, I just worked in casting and I made like nothing a week. It was terrible. And then at the, I think it was the end of that year, I got into a really bad car accident. And it was completely my fault. I was driving and I sideswiped another car, a parked car. And that's when I was like, okay, my life is really over. Like, everything was fine. I got like a payout from my car. I don't know how because it was my fault. And then I had so, like a big lump little sum of money. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to India. So I went to India for three months. And I was like, I just have to get out of America and like this reality and consumerism and all of these things that I just was like hating I wanted the exact opposite and that changed my life I lived in an orphanage I worked wow. with kids I traveled all over India and it was just like the most kind of like self-actualization point you know people like always have those points and it, for me it was India and then I would like to say that everything changed and it didn't I came back from India and got right. a marketing job and <laughs> fell right back into got another Mercedes spending all this money but you know I for me, I always tell people traveling is the most important thing you can do for your person. Yes. Because you may have come back and kind of led a similar life, but your person has changed yep. because you've seen, you've experienced, and it just connects you more. It grounds you more with, with the world at large. When I say I'm a traveler, it's a little ridiculous. You know, I lived abroad for years and I've been all over the place. I have a hard time staying off of airline websites. Uh, but I think it's really important. It, it really does good things for you. When I talk to people who have lived abroad or spent an extended period of time abroad, it's the only time I really talk to people about my travel experience because people that don't do it, they don't understand totally. and they don't want to hear it. Yep. You know, but it's something that it's just so in you forever that yes. those experiences and that that's it's really a great thing to do. So... You do India, you love it, you come back and... I was offered a job at a fertility company and I think they, I was like director of outreach or something. And I loved the job. I was like, wow, everything really is aligning. Like I centered myself in India, I'm back, I'm making great money again. And then I got greedy. So I had the job there and then I had a doctor kind of poach me from this job and he goes, I'll double your salary. And I was already making really good money with the first place. And I was like, awesome, let's do it. So I left that company, went to go work for this doctor. 
I think maybe six months after working for him, he goes, and I started this brand new company for him. He was like, okay, thanks. Like, we don't need you anymore. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, what? So it was just like when (laughs) Nannies got canceled. I was like, wait a minute. I just left this awesome gig where I had like all these benefits and great people to work with because I got greedy. So everything I learned in India also out the door. And then I was like, wow, once again, I'm starting all over. What do I do? The only thing I know how to do. Booked a one-way ticket to, I think I was in Costa Rica, and I backpacked all of Central America, moved to Australia for six months. So like another year of my life was just spent traveling. And now I'm back and I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) But awesome that you went again and went out. But okay, so there's a couple things I could say here because obviously you are are a woman after my own heart because (laughs) you cycle. You have cycles in your life. You repeat cycles. And I did the same thing. I mean, I did the same thing until the cycle was completely broken. And that that wasn't in my control. The, The... universe, God, whatever you want to call it, broke that cycle for me. And I had to be like, okay, I need to change things. Um, But mine were very severe. It was very severe. Yours yours is just like, maybe you haven't found that one thing yet that it has hooked you in. Yep. Um, So when on your timeline, your Costa Rica, Australia, when was that? When did you finish up that? Like, when did you come back to LA for this stretch? Um, Well, technically... I just got back to L.A. for good, I would say, uh, June of 17. Oh, so you are – this is fresh. Yeah. All right. So what what are you doing now? What, what How is your mindset? Like where do you think you're going from here? What do you think is going to change? Are you – are you anticipating another cycle? Are you? I mean, honestly, because I know I've been there before. Yeah. You know, do you still have the wanderlust where you think that you're going to be gone for to another country for a while? Or are you ready to, like, sink in and, and be here? So this is really difficult to answer because I think I'm always going to have it in me of wanting to just, like, escape and be like, screw yeah. everything at home and sell everything. Um, so I, when I came back in June, I got back with my ex-boyfriend of on and off seven years. And I said to myself, okay, Kristen, if you, if you're really back, you have to prove to him. Cause he is so used to me being like, okay, bye. And like, you know, bye. and he kind of is like, what am I doing with my life? Like, am I supposed to move on? Am I supposed to wait for you? And so I said to myself, okay, you're just really going to focus on your relationship this year. And so we've been together technically since last January, um, And so it's just finally been a year. And I think the only thing that's going to stop me from this crazy travel and everything is having a kid. And unfortunately, his timeline is not aligning with mine where I'm like, I want a baby now. And like, I'm this crazy girl. I'm like, oh, having a baby is going to make everything better. I mean, no, I've thought about it. Okay, I, I know that's not the answer, but just adding everything up in my life, what makes me happy? taking care of kids. Yeah. I've been a nanny forever. Like I know this is one thing that I'm really good at. Right. And I think that having a kid with my best friend who, you know, he's my partner, my boyfriend, my best friend, love him to death, would break that cycle for me. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is it's not that easy to get pregnant. I'm 32 years old. We've been trying. And from the woman who works at a fertility clinic. I know. Irony really is not lost in your life, is it? I've donated my eggs like 13 times, so there's so many other babies of mine out there, and we're like, what the heck? That's crazy. Okay, so so many things to say there. (laughs) First of all, 
I've had many people in my life, very close people who have had problems having babies. And I've heard all the stories. I know people that have had to go the whole clinical road. And then I have people that have done the holistic thing. And what I've heard and what I've figured out for most people is as soon as you're relaxed and not worried about it, it happens. Yeah. Even the, the person that had babies clinically because she could not have babies relaxed she had her babies and then she had a baby you know so it kind of happens when it when it it happens um but I get that you know when when you tell people that they might you know they probably like roll their eyes or think like oh boy this woman is here we go again here we go but I I still have this urge to just go and start fresh and and put a backpack on and, and and explore because it's part of who I am and when I met my husband I knew that this was the person I'd be with for the rest of my life. But I also knew that I was going to be like, hey, quit your job and come with me. That's why we got my dog. (laughs) I mean, literally three weeks after we met, I was like, we have to get a dog. He's like, why? I was like, because otherwise I'm just going to move. I'm going to pull you and we're going to move to Europe or we're going to move somewhere. And I needed something to help me stay grounded here. Yep. So I could focus on putting roots down and living in my life here because that draw to go if you've never been a person who's done that it's hard to explain but the first time you do it you have this exhilaration and this feeling like this invincibility and and this excitement that you can't it, you can't explain yep i've often said it's i'm assuming i don't i'm not a drug person i'm assuming it's like that first high when you have that first high that's so good that people chase to have those highs again it's kind of like that, but it's something that doesn't end because you're in a different place. You're exploring, you're meeting, you're you're understanding things in a different way. And and then you come back and you fall back in old patterns. You watch people sitting in the same seat at the bar that they were at talking about the same conversation before you left. Yes. And then you're like, ah, <laughs> and you want to just get that plane ticket and go again. Yes. So you have to make changes and you have to make um, make reasons for you to stay put. So I totally get that. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I couldn't have had a kid because I'd be bringing a kid into crazy craziness. But where my issues and, and things that the cycles that I had are very different than yours, you seem like you haven't had problem starting careers and being successful. Like, that's not the problem for you. It's it's kind of staying. Yes. It's the having the <laughs> staying power to commit to one or the other. That's totally it. So if you have a kid, you kind of have to stay. Well, you have to, (laughs) right. But you also don't want to, uh, my opinion, you can take it or leave it, and I give it whether you want it or not, is, you know, you don't want to stay in something it's not right for you just because of a child or whatever. You have to find those things, and you have to find that one thing that is right for you, because otherwise then you're going to be doing it, but you're going to resent you might resent later on the child because yeah. you're doing something that you hate or you may resent your partner or you may hate the city because you feel trapped. So now that, I mean, you've done so many different things. Yeah. I, you really have. I know. <laughs> so what's next? Like not, up, I want to know about you, for you. Not about having a baby or getting married or, or being with your partner. Like what do you want next for you? I mean, I, obviously the baby helps you grow, but for you to make sure that you're like fulfilled and moving forward? That is such a hard question. And I feel like I've been searching for that answer ever since India. And like, I'll get like pieces here and there where I go like, oh, I really love, 
you know, giving advice. And like, maybe I want to get into psychology and become a therapist. But I'm like, oh God, look at the downside of that. Like right. you get everyone else's problems on you. Yeah. And so I think right now, like, I just want to be happy. Like, I love my life so much. Like, I wake up, I go to yoga, I go work a little bit for this energy drink line, I go pick up this kid from school some days doing nanny work, and it's kind of just like, I, it, this sounds terrible. When I was in high school, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to be a housewife. And it's so then bad. there it is. Because it, it seems like, oh, you have no hopes and aspirations and dreams. And I'm like, wait, no, I do. That is like, a dream. I'm trading cryptocurrency on the side. Very bad week for us this week. <laughs> um, I'm like, maybe I want to get into like finance. But it's like, I'm the person where I want a little bit of everything. And I don't have it in me to just stick to one thing and commit to it. Right. Because I, I'm like a little dog and I'll get a scent of something else. And I'm like, wait a minute, there's something else over here. And so like, I think at the end of the day, I just want to be happy. And yeah. that sounds so like bland because everybody wants that but I'm like no 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 no. I've really found my happiness my happiness is exploring and doing new things and traveling when I can it's obviously my yoga to ground me or else I'd be batshit crazy yeah. <laughs> um being around kids and watching them grow and just like this little boy I'm nannying right now oh my gosh it's just so cool like seeing him and his friends and how they interact and I'm just like my mind is blown and it just it warms my heart to see how smart these little beings are and so, like, I was back in school getting my teaching credential, and I'm like, I don't want to be around all of these kids. I want to be around the kids that I want to be around. Right. So, MJ, end of day, I want to be a damn housewife with a baby. Okay, and <laughs> this is why I, I'm glad I asked you this question, because I want you to realize there's, that's great. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. That's okay. You know, and, and it doesn't mean that you don't have aspirations. You said, you, you said, oh, when you tell people that, people are like, oh, you have no aspirations. No, that is an aspiration. That is something. You know, I couldn't do that. Some people don't have that in them, and that's not what they, they want or they need, and some people do. And why apologize? Like, it's an amazing thing. And if you know what you want and what makes you happy, then that's what you – you know, should be doing. I once got advice from a very, very famous actor and said, you know, you need to figure out exactly what you want. Look at, you pinpoint that place and then put blinders on. And he took his hands and he made like a V uh, covering his eyes. So the only thing you could see was that little teeny pinpoint in front of you. And if you weren't on your way towards that pinpoint or something came on, came in from the sides, just swat it away to keep going. So you have the happiness, you know what you want. So what's the problem? You're there. Yeah. I So it's great. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> All right, I can die tomorrow. Yeah, you're good. You're good. <laughs> and and I always you answered this this question before I asked it. I always say to people all right, if you if anybody's read the book or knows me, knows I love Ricky Martin. It's a, I know people roll their eyes like, really? Like Ricky Martin? And it's not for the reason that you think. It's not because, you know, he shakes his bonbon or whatever. <laughs> um, it's I read his book, and he's a really profound, amazing guy. And his book changed my life because in one section he says, imagine yourself as a kid. What did you do when you were playing? What did you love? What was your go-to thing? Well, that was before you had all the world putting things and influences in your head. That is the essence of who you are. Well, if you're not doing that now, then you're not being who you really want to be. Mm -hmm. But when I was a kid, all I did was like put on shows, sing and act. And, and I talked to people. I would sit and just talk and just want to talk. Like that's who I, who's who I am. And for most of my adult life, I veered from that because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. 
and I wasn't happy and fulfilled till I finally came back to that little boy inside me who knew what I wanted. And and so you answered your own question. You said you knew back in the day what you wanted. Yeah. And then you did all these other things, but you're right back to what you knew deep inside you right when you you were who you really were. Yeah. And it's funny because I talk to high school kids, and when I say to high school kids, you're going to go to college and you're going to change so much. Like the person that you are now is going to be completely different than what you are later. But I mean that in a very superficial way because the, the the stuff that's inside those people at the core of who they are, that's always there with us. Yep. That essence is always there. So as you move forward and, you know, you are with your partner and, and you're going to hopefully have a, a child sooner than later and you are going to have everything that that inner child, that essence of you, whoever, you know, whatever that is that makes you you always wanted. And then you won't you you'll be fine. You'll be you'll be content. But I feel like you are content. I I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Like so there's it's not, not much... like yeah. It's not like you're someone that's like oh I really need to do this. I really need to do that. Like you kind of got it together, right? I mean, a surface level, sure. But like, <laughs> you look you look at the bank account. You look at these debt collectors calling, and like that's where I'm right. just like but that. That's not the that important stuff, stuff. That stuff that doesn't bother right, me that's anymore. Not the it's that it's that. Are you happy? Am I am I doing what's good for me? Yeah. Do I feel like I'm being who I'm meant to be in this world? Yeah. And I feel like without my travel and without like the ups and downs of creating a show and then having that taken away from you, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what my kind of baseline is. Right. And like I would have these extreme highs and these extreme lows. And now I'm kind of just like really even and level and it's like kind of boring but I'm still happy with it and I was always so scared that like oh gosh if you don't have the highs and lows you're just going to be boring <laughs> oh and I, boy yeah but it's like it, maturity and wisdom has a lot to play in this too where I'm like wait a minute like life is good yeah like I wake up every day with my best friend and of course we have our fights but like we do fun things together and I get to nanny I get to you know make some extra money with this energy drink line like, it's just kind of like, it's so boring, but it's so good. Well, my book basically revolves around like maybe two or three lessons that I learned. I mean, I, I have 10 lessons spelled out, but there's really three things that kind of changed my life. And one of them is a statement that my Uncle Jerry said to me when we had a loss in our family. And he told me, he said, don't let the highs be too high. Don't let the lows be too low. Learn how to keep it in the middle. And I thought, well... Isn't that sad that you don't, you can't let yourself feel the emotion when you're feeling high and you don't let yourself feel when you're being low. Well, he was so right. (laughs) You know, if you constantly let yourself be pulled up or pulled down, you can't appreciate and live in the middle and in the now, which is day to day. Yep. But when you learn how to appreciate the highs and acknowledge the nose or uh, acknowledge the lows, but really just live constantly in 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 balance well life is really great but that's what life is like i'm seeing this amazing therapist right now and she goes kristen you have this problem where you go from zero to 100 and you miss everything and she's like think about the nuances and the other day i was driving it was raining in la and i was like oh my god there's a rainbow it is so beautiful i'm like i've seen a million rainbows in my life but this is the first time that i'm actually taking the time to see the rainbow and like how does it make you feel? And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with the nuances of life right now where it's just these little things that everyone else is like, screw that, on to the next. 
And it's, it's really funny that like with age, that's what you learn. It's like, no, it really is about being good in the middle. Right. And I talked on the last episode about my New Year's resolutions. And um, I'm someone that likes resolutions. I think it's always good to kind of take stock of yourself and your life and, and, and what's going on and, and tweak it yes. to do the things that you want to do to make yourself better. And this year it was to acknowledge the things that really make me happy, appreciate them. It, it could be just a nice text message for someone, or uh, I was going for a walk right before Christmas, um, and I saw multiple people on the street who smiled and said hello, and it was genuine. And I, I noticed how that made me happy. Yeah. Just to know, just to see some stranger smile and say, hi, how are you? And those are the things that I want to appreciate because now in my 30s, it doesn't have to be the extreme party that someone threw for me or the, the the amazing gift I got. Those are great. But those little things, if you can acknowledge them and appreciate them on a daily basis, they keep you fulfilled and sustained and they keep you happy. Totally. And you know, it's very American. You know, Europeans love to like laugh about Americans and their search for being happy and content. So what? Who cares? Why not? Like, yeah. well, what do you, you don't want to be happy? Like, you know, okay, good for you, Europeans. <laughs> Roll your eyes all you want. But that's your issue. You know, totally. you're projecting that you don't understand it because whatever. Um, I want to be someone who has a happy life. I want to be fulfilled. A big thing for me is when I'm done with this life, I want to look back and I... I may not, it may not be a life flashing before my eyes thing where I'm seeing pictures of big events, but I want to look back and just have a warm feeling and know that, that that warmth was there. Yeah. And that happens by living in the middle and, yeah. and living balance. Wow. So from profound. Beverly Hills nannies to, to <laughs> from Hollywood nannies to this, I'm telling you. So profound today. Normally, um, I ask people three questions at the end of every podcast, and we kind of really went down this road with you already, and you really opened up and shared about how you've had ups and downs and, and how you've reacted to them. But I'm going to ask you the question anyway, okay. in case you might think of something else. So okay. the first question is, tell me about a time in your life where you really failed or something went wrong or you really were unhappy, okay? Think of a big failure or time in your life that you consider like a fail and how you felt about it then but how you feel about it now. Okay, so after I basically got laid off from my marketing director job when he said he didn't need me anymore, I then, I had a boyfriend at the time and I was trying to start my own company and everything, I was like, this company is not working, this relationship is not working, this other job obviously didn't work and I just felt like I have nothing left. So I broke up with my boyfriend and I was literally sitting in our apartment with all my boxes and I was like, I don't know where to go next. Like, this is my lowest low. I've had so many lows, but like, this is it. Like, my life is over. I don't know how to move on from here. And I might as well be dead because I could not see the light in anything. And I just thought, I don't know what to do. So the only thing I knew to do was when I said I booked that flight to Costa Rica. And I look back now and I'm like, God, were you being dramatic? Right. Like, had I never taken that extra year to travel, I wouldn't have done half the things that I've done. And like, the, just the growing and the learning and everything. You know, you look back when you really think that you have nothing left. And I'm so happy that everything happened the way that it did. That I was yeah. in this stupid relationship, that I got laid off from that job, that my company failed. And it's like all of these things together, like, I would not be at my happy medium right now had that not happened. I would still be searching right. for this. And it's it's a great it's it's a great story. 
And it's, it's very near and dear to my heart because I was in the same place. And I made very bad decisions then because when you think there really is no hope for a better future for you, you it's paralyzing mm-hmm. and it's real. But it's why I wrote the book. It's why I talk to people. It's really my mission in life is to let people know that no matter how bad you think things are, they're going to get better. Like, it's always going to get better. It doesn't matter how bad it is. I just read an uh, article about Lance Armstrong and how he is today. Well, he went, what he did was pretty bad, right? He did some pretty bad stuff. Lying, fraud. uh, He's being sued by so many people. You know, millions of dollars lost. Hard for him to hold his head up and walk outside. Okay? So that guy has a lot of stuff to deal with. And I thought to myself, I thought, man, he must feel like he'll never be okay again. But even someone like him who has really made some bad choices, you're going to be okay. Always. You're always going to be okay. And I would compare that the way, when I was reading the article and reading what he had to say about himself, I was like, oh, I felt the same way about myself. And I really didn't even do anything. It's because you... You, your mind can become a trap. It can become a prison. And it, it can really show you um, no hope or it can show you tons of hope. That do, uh, you know, It'll show you things that aren't there. And don't ever think that you're at a place where you're not going to be okay. Because you will. And, you know, time ticks forward. The sun comes up. Rainbows appear. Smiles come on your faces. So I'm really glad that you recognized the fact that you needed a change. Yeah. Because that was probably what saved you from that trap in your mind. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. Is just to change one thing in your life. Yep. Or get rid of one toxic energy or whatever it is. And then everything's different. I always say, if you're feeling really down, and this it's so basic and so, it's so easy and, and people roll their eyes, but it's true. If you're so down and you're so depressed and things are so bad, go for a walk. Amen. Go for a walk. Yep. Go outside. Yep. Because there's just something about getting out of your present and going outside that will help just in that moment disconnect from that pain and that those thoughts. Um, it, it's it's change. It's just it doesn't have to be big change. It could be little change. Walk. Go for a walk. Yep. You know, take a drive. Uh, for me, it's go to the beach. The minute I hit the sand and the waves go over my feet, my whole body feels reset and I'm fine. You know, find those things that help you. So, good answer. That, Thank that was you. a good one. All right, second one, much easier. Your perfect day. Would it be hanging out at the beach, going on a hike? I know the answer to this one already that you're going to say. Exploring a new city or building a snowman? Oh, I have to choose one of those? Yes. Oh, exploring a new city, Duh. for sure. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, and, and I added that one because to me, there's nothing more thrilling than like going through and being in a new place, exploring a new city. And I asked this question because it tells something about someone's personality. You know, if you're if you're a, a hiker, you're, you're solitude. And if you're building a snowman, you're a playful child, kind of. You know, if you're if you're a beach person, you're someone who likes to be centered and 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 if you explore a city, you're an adventurer and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're definitely an adventurer for <laughs> sure. All right. And the most important question of all, what is your favorite theme song? 
Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I don't. <laughs> you have to have a favorite theme song. Like from a TV show? Yeah. Your favorite theme song. It was one that really gets you charged and excited. I, I, I don't have one. Is that crazy? I won't be able to end the episode. Oh my gosh. I Every don't... episode ends on on your favorite theme Fine, song. Fine, Jeopardy. Jeopardy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. My favorite show. Well, that was not what I expected, but that is a really good one. So. <laughs> Sorry, I threw you I off on that. that threw me Does Jeopardy off. even have a theme song? I just know the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they do you know a really interesting thing about Jeopardy? Do you know that Merv Griffin actually penned that Jeopardy jingle? And when he sold the show, he sold everything except the rights to that jingle. So he still so, Yes, his estate today still makes money off the ding 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 ding. So ding, smart. Ding. So brilliant. Wow. I need I need to think like that, man. I want to grow up and be like him. I know, seriously. Anyway, you are a delight. And uh, people, go Google her. Look at her image. Look at that smile. <laughs> the smile lights up a room and makes people feel happy. So if you're having a bad day, just see if you can FaceTime with Chris and have her smile because it'll make you feel better. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. It was Thanks so great having, having you. And um, all right, here we go. Jeopardy. Let's do it. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, make sure to hit subscribe and rate, review us, and follow along on social media at LLTF the podcast. I absolutely love getting to this podcast. It is so much fun and want to be able to continue doing it for a long time to come. But it takes a lot of time and money, and that's where you come in. If you think you'd like to donate, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash LLTF the podcast, or you can donate via Venmo at LLTF the podcast. (laughs) 